Hi, this is Sydney, and thanks for listening to the show today. If you liked today's episode, please let us know. Hit the subscribe button so you can get updates on our new episodes. Leave us a comment or review. We love all of your feedback. Share the show with your friends, and most importantly, come introduce yourself at our free online community at millionairestraining.org. Do you find that it helps to have to be a best-selling author with your when you're out? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you lead. It's easy to lead with a book. It's so important, really, to position yourself by leading with the book. It's just it makes it so much easier. It makes the negotiation easier. It, it it helps, you know, and I don't know how it is now because when I did this, the first book was 2014 and there wasn't a whole lot of self-publishing going on. And if there was anybody self-publishing, they weren't like, they didn't take it seriously. You know, being an Amazon number one seller was like, yeah, okay, you know, but now today, I yeah, mean, so back then, I remember it was it was a big deal to get a publishing contract because yeah. it still is today. In fact, it still it's is become really hard. Um, we had a distributor uh, that we were you know could get our book into all the our books into all the bookstores and the libraries and universities and stuff. And because you know universities are doing home study now, and because the bookstores are really you know quiet, uh, well, there's just a lot of retail. Oh, they don't exist. Quiet. Well, yeah, a lot of them have closed down. Our distributor actually just said, like, we're taking a hold on anything that's not, you know, already a bestseller type thing. Yeah. Because there's just not the distribution outlets. And, and you know, and like a lot of things, it's moved online. A lot yeah. Of, still, a lot of people buy physical books. But I think just the combination of of not people not being out in the physical stores as much, you know, mm-hmm. has, has made an impact. So um, airports, a lot of people used to buy their books at the airports. Right. So, getting on the plane. Right. Right. So, um, but I do think like we just did a book. I literally just got this in the mail yesterday and it's one of my clients who he's a Paralympian and he wanted to uh, speak. He wants to get more speaking opportunities, corporate motivational speaking. And um, it's just, there's no substitution for the the physical book, you know, that's what I was going to say. There's no substitution for attack, especially when you're talking about positioning yourself as a speaker, you tactile book. All right. And I, and and I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm a snob when it comes to a book. If you give me a pamphlet and call it a book, I'm not going to be impressed with you. (laughs) I I need, I need some, I need some weight to the book. Just put pictures in it. I don't care. Make it, you know, mine wouldn't qualify. This is my business card. I just thought, why am I handing out a business card? Right. So exactly. I have a little little book, you know, it's just a thing. It's fun. Right. That's it. Yeah. You know, and you lead with that. It's so easy because look, I'll throw away business cards in a heartbeat. I rarely, I I don't ever throw away books. I'll give those away at a big conference and I'll see people all over the conference walking around holding my book. Right. It's like, exactly. It's the best ad, you know. You can't beat it. <laughs> it's too big to go in the pocket. Anyway, so um, <laughs> some men are like holding it, and uh, they never they never forget me because I'm on the cover. So yeah. So anyway, so you so you use the book for uh, when you get when you're on your do you actually bring it on your speaking? What I find is a lot of people I work with, they get they write a book, they take it to bestseller, they have success with it. Uh, and they they tend to not use it as a marketing tool. Like they forget to take it up on stage with them and hold it up. Or, yeah. but the media love books. Did you get much media from your book? 
I did get media from my book, you know, um, uh, did a lot of podcasts and still do. Yeah. Still, it, it, it is perpetual. It still does what it does. Um, I don't bring it. I don't, I got stories, man. I got stories. You know, I remember I, I got a gig in, in Australia, your spot, you know, and, uh, and that's a big conference. Is that the one where you speak with my friend, Jim? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's huge. You guys get thousands of people to those exactly. conferences, right? And so I was the keynote that year. Wow. I was the morning keynote, and I had two boxes of books that I put on the plane with me. I get off the plane, and I get my luggage, and my books did not make the plane. Oh, no. And remember, I'm the morning keynote, so tomorrow morning... I needed those books so I could sell them. They got the table set up and I'm gonna autograph and all that. And the books did not arrive. And it wasn't until two days later that the books arrived when well, it was too late. I mean, you know. Yeah, we usually tell our speakers, make sure you get the books shipped to the venue. That's but they right. Here, they still get them there early. Yeah. Get them there early, yeah, or get them. So I learned a lesson from that. Uh, my lesson was that I no longer actually take the, I don't schlep books anymore because books are heavy and they're pain in the ass. I don't do that. I don't schlep books. I put like, you know, 10 books in my book, in my uh, bag, right? This is my thing. And then on stage, I tell them before I get out of here, I'm going to give away 10 books. All right. At the end. So that's an enticement for them not to leave the room. And then I do a business card pickup and everybody waves their business card then pass it over to the left. I got a person that comes down the center aisle and grabs all of their business cards, right? And I pick them out of a fishbowl. So now I've got a fishbowl of every person's business card and I've only had to carry 10 books. That's my trick. That's gold. That is gold. I love it. Um, <laughs> all right. So I want to get back to- It's not as good as it used to be. Now you got to do it with phone numbers and all that because everybody doesn't have cards like they used to, depending on where you go. True. Yeah, I did that. I, I was at a conference that had about 2000 people and I made an offer where I said, if you would like, because this little book is actually, it's a transcript of a webinar that made me about a half a million dollars, right? So I say to them and I, I take them through the case study of how I wrote this webinar, turned it into a book and then marketed to my target market and, uh, you know, brought in a half a million in sales. And wow. so I say to them, if you would like a copy of this book, that, you know, to see what's in it that made me so much money, right? Um, text this number and I get like hundreds and hundreds of people from the audience yep. texting and, and then they go straight onto my mailing list and then they get their book yep. digitally. So that's, that's another way that you can do it, right? So, yep. yeah. That's so, okay. So let's talk about what the secrets are to, we haven't told them how to make, how to be a millionaire yet. Oh, let's so, tell them how to make a millionaire. So, yeah. So, okay. So what happened was you, you went from uh, selling stuff to becoming quite masterful in e-commerce. Have you got any tips there? What, you, what was it? You became an expert in social media? Was it, what was the, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, the thing was, I became an expert in social commerce, all right? And okay. what that really means, and it's like the subtitle of my book was, you know, kick-ass social commerce, but it's not about likes, it's about sales. I don't care how many people are liking me. I don't care how many people are on my mailing list or, you know, any of those things. 
it is about how many people are buying from you. So my, my approach to social wasn't really about becoming an influencer, right? I want to sell stuff. There's people that have got millions of people on their Instagram. And as soon as they ask for a t-shirt sale, they can't sell 10 of them, right? Because they've got the wrong people on list. So my social is all about commerce. How do you turn an audience of people into buyers? How do those people are going, how are those people going to support your business? and making sure that you get the right social in front of the right people at the right time. And that's really one of the most important parts. It's about context, right? Like they always say the, you know, the consumer is king. Well, if consumer is king, then the queen is context. You got to talk to the consumer at the right time. If you offer me something when I'm not in the mode for uh, that offer, you can literally turn me off, right? You can, you can, you can uh, destroy your whole uh, good vibe that you've had built with people by making them an offer at the wrong time. And so that's what kick-ass social commerce for me was about. It was about not about how many likes you got, but how many sales you got. And that's the funnel. So that if I go back to your bandana, <clears throat> your bandana example, right? So we had, um, you, you had this viral video and had all these people that were buying bandanas to start with, but then did you then think, well, what else would these guys want? Like, was yes. that, did then escalate into serving your client base better with more offers that were similar or synergistic? Talk to yes. us about what you did from there. And that's, that's like, I, like I had said, you know, that the, the market found me. So we started going into all kind of hip hop accessories. We had bandanas, sweatbands, shoelaces, uh, jewelry. Jewelry was pretty much our main main thing. Once I got into the gold bling jewelry, um, it really started taking off. Um, and then the economy went to trash in 2008, 9, 10. And even people with fake jewelry didn't want to wear fake jewelry because everybody knew nobody was rich at that time, you know? And the rich didn't want to flaunt their richness. It was a very weird time, you know? And so our business started falling apart. And, you know, like overnight things were drying up and I had to take a look and we had like 500 different SKUs. And I started looking, I'm like, you know, the 80-20 rule always exists. And so I went through my inventory and looked at the 20% of product that gave me the 80% of our sales. And I niched into that one product. And that product ended up happening to be shoelaces. So I changed our business from third power outlet and we became the shoestring king, shoestringking.com. And I sell shoelaces now. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I sell multiple six figures every year of nothing but shoelaces. Are they different? They're not all white, are they? They're not all white. <laughs> we've got we've got now over 500 different sizes and color variations of shoelaces. 
Wow, that's awesome. So you did that, you figured out by analyzing, looking at which 20% of, of my products is bringing in 80% of my revenue. Yeah, and that's- And you, and you honed in and you went, and obviously when we say 80-20, we're talking in principles, we're not talking about exact numbers, right? So, right. but, right. but I, that you're, you're right on track with what I teach, which is that, you know, what's the 20% the of your business that's actually making you the 80% of your money and do more of that, right? So, yeah. um, and so then you did, uh, so, so you, you focused in on products and now that you've just, now you're just awesome at that. You're like the shoelace king. Right, that's, that, that's what, up in, before now, I would be a mile wide, right? I would have all these different products from all these different areas, blah, blah, blah. Now we're a mile deep. I've got one product, but I go all the way deep in that category. We are the experts when it comes to laces. I mean, that's just, you know, when people are out there looking, we've done laces for Hollywood projects. You know, uh, we, we, well, I can tell you now, this is because this has been an interesting year, but one of our biggest clients was Disney World. And as you know, they are being hit by COVID, right? So, well, Disney in general. So those are things that we're navigating through as well. So we do, you know, uh, direct to consumer and direct to business as well, B2B as well. Uh-huh. So, so what is your advice to people to recession-proof their businesses if they've got an existing business so they don't, like, I mean, it really caught a lot of business. You think about it. We got people in hotels, you know, entertainment, any kind of entertainment like that. The movie industry has been hit. The TV industry has been hit. The, you know, travel industries, airports, airlines, it's just so extensive. Restaurants, right? So yeah. what yeah. can we all do? What are some principles that you've learned from all of these ups and downs that you would say to people, make sure you have these things in place. My, my thing is I'm multiple streams of income. I am so into multiple streams, you know, not to be shiny object everywhere, but not having all my eggs in one basket, you know? So, because one of the things I did learn just by being an e-commerce seller on a marketplace is that the marketplace can change one, one rule and it can destroy your entire business. And then, so and so I would have people over here in the Shopify kind of world of e-commerce where they have their own, you know, uh, uh, store and they're driving their own traffic. They're laughing at us going, ah, yeah, look what happened to your business, right? And then they got hit with Penguin, right? And so Penguin was a change in the algorithm of Google where their Google ads all of a sudden didn't work or their Google ranking got pushed down and the traffic wasn't there. And so all the eBay people are going like, ah, look at us, see, right? So you're, one of the things is multiple streams of income. So now even our business, we're everywhere. I'm saying that we're doing, as I've gone deep, I can do direct to consumer and I can do business to business now because I'm an expert on that thing right? We're manufacturing our own product as opposed to buying it, you know, wholesale. So we've cut out that part of the business middleman and we're getting more uh, uh, opportunity simply because we control the manufacturing now and we control the cost and the pricing. So I, I really think if nothing else, multiple streams of income and going deep would be my two things that help to recession proof your business. And the other thing is too, 
if I had a third thing, is try to look at things that people use all the time. Understand, shoelaces are not something that is sexy. Yes, you could be selling iPhones. I don't care. I make more money on shoelaces than my friends do on their iPhones, right? They got iPhone businesses. Yes, they're selling up three, $400, right? But they're paying three, $400 for the damn iPhone and they're making $15 off of it. I know this business, you know? So it's not what you sell, it's what you keep. That's the most important part. Hi, this is Sydney, and thanks for listening to the show today. If you liked today's episode, please let us know. Hit the subscribe button so you can get updates on our new episodes. Leave us a comment or review. We love all of your feedback. Share the show with your friends, and most importantly, come introduce yourself at our free online community at millionairestraining.org.